of silence for the heavy hearts that we gathered in our clubhouse and outside of our clubhouse. Please understand what, what everybody had on their back for a minute. Mustakis, CY, Volquez. Understand, please, give me a moment of silence. It's unbelievable what those boys did. It's unbelievable what they did! It's unbelievable what they did! They stole bases, they hit homers! Hey, guess what? Cy Young winner! Not on our team, beat them! Rookie of the year! Not on our team. We beat them. MVP of the whole league. Sorry, guys. Not on our team. But we beat that guy, too. Do you know why we beat him? Because all y'all people had our back. And Dayton Moore put this team together. And y'all delivered it by being a captain of the ship. Y'all want to be politically correct. I'm the unpolitically correct person. We whooped their ass. Stomp your feet and clap your hands with me. It's a celebration. And we are live. Yeah, it's the Kansas City clap, Social clap, Hour. Clap, clap. And I'm here with Chris Stinger. You got it. And my man, Corey Hockler. Let's go. What's up, Kansas City? This is a celebration episode. We're going to be talking a little bit about Royal stuff. And, of course, we'll be talking some beer stuff, too. Because we got Chris Stinger, certified Cicerone. And Corey drinks a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> Not as much as you. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was out of town, so I got to drink more beer than normal. And uh, you got some beer stories for us? Maybe. I'm, we'll see. <laughs> I just drank beer. I don't to make it that memorable how long is this song holy shit uh that's uh the tech nine casimo anthem and they i just faded it for you bro oh, thank you there first time i've heard that that's not too bad yeah he he dropped K-C-Mo. that uh that's weak <laughs> it is not weak oh, that shit is dope gee, man oh. <laughs> he dropped that on uh, the day of the parade and uh which was uh tuesday is that on tuesday uh, Kansas City just uh, Tuesday. It was it was um, Epic. gosh man yeah you know and uh, I think you know part of part of what was so awesome about it is going to Game Seven uh, the year before and uh, the letdown from that you know it was like I know for me it felt like ah shit man this is you know, it was awesome for a lot of people just to go, of course, you know, but the letdown of the loss was so damn heavy, you know, um, for me, I just thought like, God damn it, like, of you know, uh, we we had to close it out, otherwise, when is that going to happen again? But you you're know? done with baseball now, right? I remember a conversation we had where we said once they win a title, that's it, you can pretty much check out. Well... I can I can be happy with the Royals for the rest of my life for okay. sure. <laughs> because okay, so I take the weight of the loss and and 
to me, it didn't feel like a good thing. I wasn't going the rest of the year like, oh, we went to the World Series. It was still like, a, I didn't want to think about it. It was, a, But now, if you you win it, you, you don't, you get there, and then the next year you win it, you go back to back. You go to the World Series, you go to Game 7, you come back the next year and you win it all. Combine that shit is now a tight-ass, awesome story. You know what I mean? So the weight of the loss by itself, if we had you know, screwed up out of the playoffs, didn't even make the playoffs, that World Series would have still been shitty. It would have been shitty. You know, it's it's a memory. But now, together, the back-to-back shit, it's so improbable, so crazy that uh, it makes it that much more sweeter. You know, where it would have just been this horrible hole together now. Coming back is fucking awesome, man. I don't know. For me, I think it's awesome for Kansas City. And uh, uh, what do you guys think about that? I think you hit on the improbable. Um, I think a lot of people were under the impression that we wouldn't get back to the World Series. In fact, uh, I think Billy Bean has said that you try to position your team to get into the playoffs, and once you're in the playoffs, it's kind of roll of the dice whether you advance. So the goal is my mic's gone. Oh, Oh. yeah, and it, it... Just keep talking. It didn't mess yeah. up. We'll still record, okay. but yeah. So I think it's. Um... Sorry, that fucked up your train of thought. <laughs> That's right. all right. You're saying the improbability. Yeah, of yeah. Really being going back. Yeah, I think you want to try to get to the playoffs every year, and then the more you're able to get to the playoffs, the better your chances are to win it. Um, but I don't think anyone expected, truly, like in their heart of hearts, thought that. We'd hit the World Series twice in a row. Um, so it was pretty awesome. And there were a lot of amazing games along the way. I lost a lot of sleep and I ingested a lot of caffeine the next day at work. For sure, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was exciting. And, and really, the you, you really got to believe that they're going to win. Even when it looked improbable, there, there was that game in the world... I think the World Series, yeah, where they were getting their just asses kicked. And you're like, well, I mean, they're only down, what, eight, nine, ten. Eh, they'll, they might pull back. So, I mean, after you saw it so many times, like that Toronto, we'll start out with the Houston, the Houston comeback. That one game was amazing. Uh, I think there was another game like that in the Toronto Series. It just, they kept on doing it. It was pretty cool. And uh, this is God, this is so uh, Corey Hockler, this situation. This is like, you're like the the Peanuts movie just came out. You're, you're Charlie Brown right now, man. Like, you, like, for Corey, of course, huge baseball fan. Going back, uh, how uh, since you were a kid, you're a Mets fan, right? Yes, since the early 80s. Okay, so let me, let me just, let me just frame this. For, for the folks who just don't know. Okay, Corey Hockler, big baseball fan, uh, moves to Kansas City. He's been here for like 10 years, 10, 11 years. 11, 11 years. Through that time, you you know, uh, very supportive of the Royals. Uh, goes to all the games and then becomes a huge fan. Uh, you know, obviously, Absolutely. if you follow a team, you, 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 I you start to... Yeah. The games are on and I watch them and I know all the players and... I went to the wild card game last year. <laughs> okay. Went to, went to game five, uh, the Johnny Cueto game against Houston. So. so here's the rub. The rub. <laughs> Corey 
is a lifelong Mets fan. So you think about him supporting the Royals through that entire time, going through what happened with Game 7 against the Giants. Of course you're not going for the fucking Giants. You're no, not. Absolutely okay. not. Going into the World Series, what team would the Royals be facing but his beloved New York Mets? Yes. And, and I just think how fucking ironic, how strange, how very Corey-like that situation is. <laughs> <Pretty> sad. <laughs> And you want to tell people how you became a Mets fan because it's 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 uh, it boggles my mind still. Well, I, I grew up in Puerto Rico, so we had on cable there were three channels that had baseball. We had WGN out of Chicago, TBS out of Atlanta, and then WOR out of New York. And since my dad was originally from New York, we just watched more Mets games than any other. Even though the Cubs were always on way more than the Braves, the Cubs always always had, but you know, that's how I became a Mets fan. That's WOR was on was on cable, and that's what we watched. So, and uh, you you said that being a Mets fan that a lot of people don't understand. You he was talking to another Mets fan who was here for the World Series, and he was talking about people don't understand the pain of being a, a Mets fan. Uh, is that because of like devastating losses in the past? And where does this rank in that? Is it up there? Does it not matter as much, or is it just part of being a Mets it's, fan? It's it's part of it. It's the the devastating part is uh, that the Mets had leads in the eight for sure in, in the yep. eighth inning of four of the five games and lead in the ninth in three of the five games. So it's but it for with, with that, this team you just the uh, a lead never felt safe against the against the Royals. You just I always had that dread that something bad was going to happen. <laughs> Charlie and, Brown. Well, and and <laughs> and what's funny is in game one, I I they should have won game one more I, than any I of the games. I thought they were going to win, and the last thing I could have I could have seen Alex Gordon getting a base hit or <sighs> get somehow getting on base, but not fucking crushing that ball. How improbable did. was that home run? I think there's a statistic that said. He had had two uh, postseason home runs before that, like in his entire career. So, well, no, just just the way he's been playing since yeah, he came back. Yeah, he had like injuries, a one forty six. He hasn't really been a hundred percent. So that's the last thing I expected it was for him to do that. So once they lost that game, I was almost resigned to the fact that it was not going to end well for for the Mets, and and they kept fucking with me. You know, they lost game two, it's fine. They get one game three. They have the lead in game four. They fuck it up. They have the lead in game five. They fuck it up. So, there you go. And so, uh, and we've had discussions about, like, once you have a team, that's your team, and that's your team. So, through the whole thing, you were just diehard Mets through the whole thing? Absolutely. Okay. There wasn't even a little part of you that wanted... Okay, because the last time they were in the World Series, was that 86? Last time they were in the World Series was 2000. Oh really? Yes. That okay. Subway series, so, right? Subway series. That's yeah. Right. Against the Yankees, where once again they fucked up in the ninth inning. They had a lead. In the, <laughs> they had a lead in the bottom of the ninth inning because they were playing at Yankee Stadium, and the Yankees ended up. The game went into extra innings, and the Yankees won. Same thing. Uh, the closer. Um, it wasn't a home run, but the guy that worked worked and got a walk, and they ended up scoring on a sack fly. So just. Finding new ways to fucking crush my soul. 
So where are you at with this right now? Are you, uh, now have you, uh, now turn around and are like happy for the Royals? Or are you still bitter about what's going on? It's not bitter. I'm not bitter. It's you know, ultimately, if if you if you look at things objectively, the the Royals were probably the better team. They, the Royals, probably, <laughs> dude. You guys didn't even have an offense like for most of the well, year. But, but probably in 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 the sense that you know, if the Mets didn't have a lead, in like I said, they if they wouldn't have had a lead, but the 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 Royals just, you know, found found ways to win games, and that's what that's what championship teams do. So there's no, you know, there wasn't something fluky or something weird. It was just, you know, the Royals just found ways to put pressure on the Mets, and that's that's baseball. How long do you have Harvey signed for? Harvey's they're they're all signed for quite a while because you know, I don't I don't know Harvey's contract, but you know I. I I think of the the Mets in kind of the same way that that I do the Royals. That you know the the Mets last year, no one expected the Royals to to make the playoffs or make it to the World Series, and that was kind of the thing with the Mets. They were you could argue the the worst team that made the playoffs in the National League, and they they found ways to win, and that's kind of how the Royals did it last year. So. You know, with with their pitching, you know, grab one or two more players like the Royals did, and you know, may, maybe the Mets can can recreate that magic. So I think so. I think the Mets, as they always have, will go out and buy some hit in. Um, <laughs> maybe when they're done playing Benia, they can uh, go out and get another bat. But with that young pitching staff, I th- I think uh, you're going to see some good some good teams to come. A year well, you think about it, but he. You know, and and that's the the part that I, you know, I still haven't wrapped my head around what uh, Dayton Moore and the Royals have been able to accomplish uh, here in Kansas City, man. I mean, it's uh, it's like a damn miracle. It's a fucking miracle when you think of what the team was even five years ago, three years ago. And they kept, you know, uh, saying that there was a process in place that was going to but it was hard to fucking believe that the, something like this was even well, they, possible. Even, even last year, they, they sucked through about July. Yeah. I remember, I think it was in May or June, they had like a 10 or 11 game losing, some yeah. real long losing streak. And it's just, you kind of figured, there, there go the Royals doing what they do. They lose 11, and the next thing you know, they're seven games out of first, and that's that's all she wrote. Yeah. I mean, there's no superstars on that team, quite honestly. There's not anyone on there that would be a huge pickup for anyone else. They're on their way. Like, there's, yeah, where now you're knocking on the door. Like, you know, Salvador now is, uh, you got to look at him like yeah, a superstar. Yeah, Salvador is probably the best position player. I mean, you look at Haas, and he's got great defense, but, I mean, he's almost like a Mark Grace. I mean, he puts up Mark Grace numbers, you know, good for what? Twenty-five homers. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. It's like he the collective. Terrible defense in the World Series. Oh, I don't think so. Shit. He played great defense. He had two errors, and uh, Joe Buck just fucking got errors, all over him, and the well, cameraman was, kept on panning to him. Well, that was he doing, BS. He was doing the uh, Dornole shit from the the hit movie Major League. He has to get in front of that shit, take it on the chest, man, yeah, and get a bruise. The the mistakes were uncharacteristic to the play that we had seen. Correct. 
And this is the thing. That's how much better I think like they I think they practically gave away game one. I think the Mets just needed to take that game. There was so much uh improbable errors in that game or, or uncharacteristic errors that if that had been the Blue Jays or that had been Houston, they would have fucking won that game. They, they would have found the offense to get it done. And and it was after that first game, like, for myself, that I thought, gosh, this is the, the weakest team that we've played so far in this year. Like, I was more afraid. I was really afraid of Houston. And then the Blue Jays, there was hitters on that squad when they came up that you're like, oh, shit, man. This guy can do anything. He could probably hit a home run. He could get a double. But I never felt like that about any of the players on the Mets. But I do have one question for you that uh, stood out. What did you think of the um, – uh, was it Harvey? Was it, what's it? The, Syndergaard. The, no, when he wanted to go back into game. Oh, Harvey. Yeah. What did you think of that? Um, shit, man. Because he, he was pitching so dominant. And that's, and that's the thing is you, you know – the the manager got talked out of it, and you can't you you can't fault him. You know he's he's your star player, and um, maybe that's just what you do in terms of building a team and building unity. Is you're telling them I trust you, and yeah, it got fucked up, and we ended up losing. But he had that trust to put him out there, and maybe that's worth some more wins the following year. I think it was the best shot anyway. I mean, you look at Familia, and although he had a good season as uh, like the closer that came in after the other dude got suspended twice for uh, steroids, um, but he wasn't lights out by any means. It's not like he got Mariano Rivera in the bullpen. So in in the playoffs, he had you know till till game one, he had been unhittable. He had given up, I think, two hits. Yeah, that's what. Gordon, but, so. um, but you so, saw Harvey that game. I mean, he was yeah, dominant was and right. cocky as fuck too. The the dramatic way in which he re-entered the game is what strikes me. It was like watching a movie. Uh, the you know the uh, coach calmly walks up to him. He's like, no, no, absolutely not. Well, it's like <laughs> then he makes a face at him. Then goes, I'm gonna go talk to him. And then he goes, no, no, I'm not. He wasn't even asking. He was saying, there's no fucking way I'm not going in. Then you have the crowd start chanting the dude's name. Yeah, no, and it was like uh, high drama shit, man. I thought that was uh, super interesting. And then after the game, the coach did pretty much throw him under the bus. Even though we had all saw it on TV, he, he could have just said, you know, it was my decision. But he said, you know, I trusted the guy. I, th- I thought that was like, a, but that could just be the way I interpreted it. But I he did he get a, asked a question and he, basically he, said he he's the one that he, wanted to go in and I let him. He didn't say I made the fucking decision. He's just like, I trusted no, I mean, the guy. That's, but that's, you know, ma- that's what managers do. And, you know, the way he had been pitching, because if, if Harvey goes out there and he gets him out, everyone's like, oh, of course, it's the right thing. And if he would have taken him out and Familia yeah. gives up the runs, well, why didn't he leave? So... You can always second guess. Um, one of the things that's just so um, crazy, the the thing that, like I said, and, and we're going to be talking some beer stuff. But by the way, uh, you want to talk about the beer that we got? Chris, Chris is a sister and I have him here talking about baseball because, you know, after this, it's pretty much, it might come up here once in a while, but I'm still kind of, 
got the glow of the World Series feeling because of what it meant to the city, how improbable it actually was. And I didn't get the opportunity to talk about it on the podcast because we were doing other shit. Corey was in San Francisco. There was the parade. There's a lot of shit going on. Uh, rescheduling pe- uh, Chris because he, was n- he wasn't available. So Well, no, he wasn't available because <laughs> Game 5 was on. And yeah. there's no fucking way we're going to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because you're such a little bitch, you won't let me fucking watch TV. <laughs> I don't even know the score of the Cowboys game. <laughs> We're just it, we tried it before and it failed miserably. No, so. I thought it was awesome. In my defense, because <laughs> I got to see what was going on. Listen, so well, I've been a, a baseball fan for a whole lot longer than I've been a beer fan, and quite honestly, I, I think I know a thing or two about baseball. So I'm just fine with the direction the oh, conversation has been good, going. Man. I'm glad. Though I, I don't even know how Corey can even like the Mets. I mean, I hate the Mets now. <laughs> I mean, what a bunch of fuckers um <laughs> what, what what pisses you off the most about them? i just because my wife hated the blue jays man. oh I, I hate the blue jays so much <laughs> i'm but uh i'm a Sox fan too red Sox fan and i've hated the blue jays for uh for a little while we've well, hated the mets since 86 so. yeah that's true um <laughs> but as far as the beer we're going with uh with a uh, surly fest um one of the nice things about Surly is they've expanded and they're into Iowa. And I make it to Iowa every now and then, so it's a fast beer, but it's not really. It's got some rye in it. Um, it's got a whole lot more hops than than should Super be. Super hoppy, man. It's a it's a fairly nice beer. Uh, I really enjoy Surly's beers. I think they do a good job. I think it's a real refreshing take on Oktoberfest. If you gave it to someone, they wouldn't. No, that's what it was. They would just think it was like a, a maybe a dip or something because of the heavy malt bi- uh, profile with the hops. They might have thought it was like a. I think you could pass YPA. it off as a as a pale ale. I mean, it's not the thing about the hop or the thing about the malt bill is with the Vienna and the Melanoidin uh, and the rye malt, they're all um, diastatic, and so it, it finishes out quite dry, but it's got a lot of malt flavor. That's what the fuck I was going to say, bro. Yeah, exactly. You beat me to the punch. It's not as sweet as Oktoberfest, as general Oktoberfest. Well, I I think that uh, sweetness has to do with a couple different things. I think there's uh, residual sugar, but there's also IBUs, and I think they um, pump up the IBUs a little bit more to to make it uh, less sweet sweet tasting. See, I'm a simple man. It tastes sweet. <laughs> Good job, Corey. <laughs> but there's different there's different sweets. There's sweet from too much residual sugar. Um, there, there's a perception of sweetness that you get with with some malts. So, so are, is Oktoberfest this? But so the sweetness is it really from the malt then? Yeah, yeah. There's Oktoberfest might have a little bit of residual sugar, but it's not going to be. Uh, as much as some typically sweet beers like a sweet stout or something like that, it's just those um, those malts like Munich malt are very um, toasty and bready, and, and there's actually a perceived sweetness. So you could have a like I brewed a saison one time that had 10% uh, Munich malt, and it was dry as a bone, but there was a perceived sweetness from the from the maltiness. That's awesome, and um, yeah. Uh, by all means, uh, feel free to, you know, uh, 
say, you know, even if it's beyond us, I, I understand a lot of folks that do listen to this stuff, they kind of want us to geek out more on the beer stuff, you know, whereas, uh, and we don't, we don't know near as much as uh, you do, of course, like a, we, none of us have brewed a batch of beer other than a beer kit. Have you even done the beer kit yet? Oh, that's <laughs> fucking work. So we understand somewhat the process, but by no means do we know. Uh, beer tastes good. A lot of them taste good. I can, well, you guys uh, have brewed as much as I have in the last year, so. <laughs> you haven't brewed in a year? Uh, not really. I, I don't enjoy uh, brewing so much anymore. Yeah. What uh, What was it that um, changed in the last cut? You just did. Uh, hmm. That's interesting. In ass. Um, <laughs> I like uh, I like coming up with recipes, and I like. Um, drinking beer but the actual process is it's a pretty labor-intensive process and um there's a lot of cleaning transferring and stuff like that and it just doesn't float my boat there, there's like other things i'd rather be doing and anymore there's just so much good beer in town um coupled probably with the fact that i don't drink uh, as much beer as i used to but i i think um i've talked to a few people um uh, Amanda and Miles, who are in the Kansas City Beer Meisters, and they're awesome brewers. They're getting rid of their big 15-gallon um, automated brew system, and they're going to a Pico brew, which is two and a half gallons. They want to brew at, as frequently as they do right now, but just smaller batches just to see what it does. So I think it's just um, if you stick around, there, there's I've been in the Beer Meisters long enough to see that uh, people come and people go, and uh, people that stick around for a long time, there's something going on, and sometimes they, they change the way they do things. But anyway, so, I mean, I still uh, I still enjoy beer, but probably not going to brew a, a ton from here going forward, which uh, is nice since I have all that brewing equipment. You know, and I was going to ask this... Uh, um, of, of our brewing guests if they would um, consider like sharing one of their recipes that they think is uh, cool and or, or a good brew that they think is a pretty solid brew and um, like posting it up with the link of this show underneath you know with the, the recipe would you be interested in doing something like that sure that's fine oh that would wow, be awesome put them on the spot damn <laughs> no well I mean recipes aren't you know uh, fucking ambush journalism <laughs> I think you watch uh what uh whoa Damn, that's some fucking shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> is it i don't know i don't know i'm don't i don't brew is it weird to ask someone for a recipe no not at all if you ask uh uh jeremy danner from boulevard for uh you know what's their malt bill on bob's 47 he'll whip out his uh phone and and give you the recipe right away and no one has any qualms about giving recipes out except for um danny carey at new glarus <laughs> um, I mean, they, they got their fruit beers, and and really, it's their the their money makers. Um, so really, that's the only exception. But otherwise, no one really gives. Um, yeah, and I I thought uh, mostly I wasn't. Uh, I just thought like uh, it'd be cool for someone to kind of uh, peek into uh, something, a recipe that that. Uh, you would enjoy, you know, and then they could kind of like, oh, okay, I see what he's doing there, you know, and they could get a better feel from what we could do just during a conversation. Uh, 
it's an hour seems like a long time the shit blows by we're already halfway done you know yeah um we've gotten uh feedback at when we initially started that an hour was a, a long time and i was like man when you're drinking beers with your friends and shit an hour flies by like like nothing you know what i mean and so you keep snapping yeah <laughs> so that's you know um so yeah that'd be cool if you could share one of your recipes sure. or something and recipes are a dime or a dozen there's a lot of them out there and if you look in the right places you'll find what you want if i would give one tip about recipe formulation is just keep it simple stupid i mean people that uh go with the kitchen sink uh tend to put too much stuff in it but oh, i mean you, really uh, you start with a nice base mall maybe have um I always used a little bit of Munich Tin Love for uh, for a little bit of color and maltiness, uh, like maybe on an IPA, and then really, I mean, you just you just kind of put it together. Like on an IPA, I'd have some uh, hops on the back end, but just uh, front load it with a whole bunch of hops, and you know, it could be Citra or Amarillo or Simcoe or quite honestly, just whatever you have available. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But that's just the way I see it. Do you have any uh, other than the ones that you just named, or are those uh, some of your favorite uh, hops? That you oh, those, those are the hops that everyone loves, and and those are the hops that are hard to get. But a couple of years ago, when those were hard to get, I uh, bought Nugget, um, which is a pretty good, pretty good one. And in fact, we're going to have a beer um, called Golden Nugget from Toppling Goliath, um, and that that beer is uh, one one malt. Um, which is a uh, uh, golden promise, like a, a Scottish uh, Scottish malt that's um, similar to uh, oh, the hand kilned uh, uh, British one, Maris Otter. And then it's got uh, a single hop, uh, nugget hop, um, which is a nice one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can, I, I think that uh, most brewers should be able to make good beers from what they have available. And if you think about it, what we have available now as home brewers is so much better than what people had uh, a generation ago. They were going with dried yeast. Uh, and I'm a big proponent of dried yeast, but they were going with uh, pretty poor dried yeast, uh, liquid malt extract that was old. Uh, they're, they're going with, you know, just a few grains, uh, hops that were, there's not a lot of varieties of hops, and most of them are crusty and old and nasty. So um, we're, we're very lucky, and even if we're going with the bottom of the shelf, we still got a lot to work with. Badass, man. So what are your um, some of the uh, beers that uh, styles that you've been enjoying lately that, uh, you know, uh, just like a, on a normal day that if you're going to reach for a beer what kind of styles are you typically gravitating to towards these days mm, i always uh i always like hoppy beers um I, I cannot say enough great things about uh the latest boulevard collaboration uh, it's it's such a lovely that lovely beer yeah it was great I, I think i went through a couple four packs and i just absolutely loved every single one Cigar City does great stuff, and, and, and this is a, a, a great beer. I bought um, a six-pack of uh, Oscar Blues IPA oh, yeah, a couple weeks like, ago. I liked both those beers that you just mentioned, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's because they're good beers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I really uh, I, I went out the other day and 
what I really wanted was to get some Bob's 47 as kind of a last, uh, last bit of fall. And I struck out on that one. So that was kind of sad, but I fucking saw where the fuck that. Yeah. That's gotta be hanging around somewhere. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But, um, interestingly enough is, uh, the beers that you mentioned are fairly easy to uh, get a hold of, you know. Well, well, the collaboration five, you probably might still have to do a little nah, bit. Of that's thing, but is that, is that yeah. still easy? Yeah, it okay. was. So there's uh, five. You uh, mentioned the uh, uh, Oscar Blue, uh, the uh, their IPA, and the and then the um, oh the Boulevard uh, Bob's Forty Seven. Um, it's it's interesting because uh, a lot of people, you know would think that you would name some kind of, uh, not a lot of people, but some people like in the beer. No, a lot of people would. would yeah. That you would be saying yeah, some Yeah, because all I, all I want to drink is whatever the top rated beer is on Rate Beer or Beer yeah. Advocate. I mean, that, Which I don't you know. see a lot of. I know, you see it. And, and it's not a new thing. I mean, I've got a buddy, Matt, that all he did was he hunted for all the top 50 beers and He'd get them and trade for them, and and I went through the same thing. I mean, I traded for beers back in the day, but there's just so many good beers available that you know to limit to yourself for you know uh, heady toppers or whatever. Hill Farmstead is out. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There, there's an overabundance of of wonderful beers, and I think one of the get things inexpensively right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, inexpensively. I mean, we well, had a we rel- had a relative, I guess, of somebody who's drinking Budweiser would think that uh, you know, that's Pops true. 47's overpriced. We had a lambic tasting a few years ago, and we got a bunch of guys together that had just awesome, awesome ones. Bobby, um, Bobby was one of the guys, and he had uh, just these awesome lambics, just very sought out. So we had just tons and tons of. Uh, amazing lambics. We had this big blind tasting, and damn near to every guy, um, the the top beer was um, uh, Lindemann's, uh, the uh, Cuvée Rene. I mean, you can go and get it at any liquor store. It's not a cheap beer, but it's relatively affordable, and it blew out all these insane beers. I mean. <laughs> You know, I mean, we had Cantillons there. We had, you know, every every kind of beer. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes people just look too hard for, for beer. And, and uh, you know, sometimes the, the best beer is going to be the one you can easily get at your, your local uh, liquor store for a, a relatively small amount. And my, I say this every podcast, but it is my favorite thing to do in beer is to uh, go pick out a mix six at Tipsy's. And, you know, there's nothing wild. <laughs> Dude, they need to start paying me and shit. I know. Now. <laughs> something. But yeah. there's nothing wild that you could get. But I get all happy, you know, if I get, uh, you know, the, the it's, uh, was it Black Mesa just came out with their Kolsch? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, try that. Uh, Black but, Mesa? Is that what they're called? Like from Half Life? No, no. It is. What's the the Arizona beer company that they just started distributing here? Maybe that might be it. I don't know. <laughs> I probably just uh, and my internet is frozen right now. That's why I can't look you up something. Anyways, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so we're actually going with another surly beer. We've got overrated their uh, West Coast IPA. Um, it's pretty good. What do you guys think? 
Oh. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, you don't have any because. Oh, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. It's over on your desk. I like it. It's um. It's uh, citrusy. Yeah, not as not as hoppy as as other West Coast IPAs. I thought it was really hoppy. But, um, it's it's good, man. It's, it's really good. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and if you look on this one, the malt bill is just pretty simple. Uh, two row Belgian Crystal hops are Columbus Centennial Cascade, which I mean that's that could be any malt bill from the last 15 years a little bit El Dorado so it's just a pretty straightforward beer but it's pretty damn good it's good so um, you you when you were talking before about the hops and when you were making beers and that you know they have hops are getting certain hops are harder to find but could you can people really tell the difference from a specific hop? Oh, this is Amarillo. Oh, this is Cascade, or, or, or is it something that, depending on how it's brewed, you you're not really going to be able to differentiate. That's a, uh, that's interesting because there are some hops that are, very distinctive. Amarillo would be one. Citra would be one. I think there's probably ways to get around them, and there's other hops that uh, hop suppliers had made blends of hops that would um, kind of replicate uh, the flavor. So I think that if you're a a big commercial brewery, sometimes that can be kind of difficult, especially since um, the hop contracts, you'd have to go out two or three years to even find some of these highly coveted ones. And, And quite honestly, when you have when you have a beer with citra in it, it's it's a lovely hop, and Amarillo is is lovely as well. But th- there's other kinds, and there's all these new hops that are coming out that that are pretty amazing. Uh, but if if you're to make a, a commercial beer and you want it to be the same year after year, and you are using citra, it's going to be hard for you to switch over to a, a different hop and have it be exactly that way ah damn it and it finally fucking happened but at this point in the podcast i was uh going to go into the beer news and uh the texas ed theme song i'm gonna go ahead and play the texas ed theme song right after this but the rest of the interview uh 20 minutes that we recorded with um uh, chris and and Corey got deleted man it's out in the ether and that part of the podcast is gone. And this is just Ruben talking and rambling on. I'm going to play the Texas Ed theme song. It's Texas Ed. It's Texas Ed. I drank so much I nearly wound up dead. It's Texas Ed. It's Texas Ed. Believed everything Rick Perry said. It's Texas Ed. It's Texas Ed. It's Texas, Texas, Texas Ed. I seen a lot of beers and we drank them all. He has a hundred longhorns on his wall. I think he even wears burnt orange drawers. Even took me to watch high school football. It's Texas said, it's Texas said. I drank so much I nearly wound up dead. It's all because of freaking Texas said, Texas said. We need you to be serious. 
for a moment. And now, brought to you in part by the KC Social Hour, this is the Beer News. Beer News! Beer News! Beer News! We're going to be at an event with, uh, at, at Tapcade, and, um, it's going to be in December that got rescheduled as the Tallgrass uh, Meet the Brewers event. And Corey and hopefully, hopefully Corey, I will definitely be there. Or one of us will definitely be there for that event. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be rescheduled for December. So as soon as we get that information, we'll go ahead and post that. And the other thing we wanted to say, and Corey, I hate that it got deleted. But um, uh, November 22nd, we're going to be uh, honoring our dear friend, uh, Dan Simmons, uh, who's going through a tough time right now, and uh, the information's on the event at BTKC, and I can't do justice to what Corey had uh, mentioned at that point in the podcast. It's just weird that it got uh, deleted. It's my fault. It was an accident. It was bound to happen, but uh, we'll definitely be there, and uh, it's for Dan Simmons, and uh, we love you, brother, and uh, you're in our thoughts and prayers, and... uh, Definitely attend that event if possible. So it's going to be at Screenland Armor. And with that, I'll say, say goodbye, Corey.